the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. We're going to go back to Titus and we're going to start where we left off in chapter 2. And we had just finished verse 10. We're going to do verses 11 through 14 today. And in our text today, Paul is going, if you've read this, verses 11 through 14 or 15 actually. In our text today, Paul's going to give us what one theologian describes as the heart and soul of Christian faith. It's very concise, but it's very packed. Paul reminds us of the grace of God that has brought us salvation through Christ. And in these verses, we are going to behold the salvation of the Lord through the death and the life of Christ. I was taught early on in life that the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So today we're going to go through a lot of scripture, and I'll name the text that are the reference that I'm using. So uh, if you've got those little thumb breaks, you'll probably beat us all there, but I'll wait on you if you want me to. Jesus is our Savior. We recognize that, but unfortunately most Christians have chopped that down to salvation unto eternity or salvation from sin. They don't recognize the fullness of Christ being our Savior. Jesus saves. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Redeemer. Jesus is our life. And most Christians know these phrases. They're taught throughout Scripture, but unfortunately, most Christians ignore the present tense of these words, of these phrases. Because He's all of those things to us and more now. You see, salvation for eternity involves a whole lot more than just getting into heaven. It involves a whole lot more than just forgiveness of sin. It involves literally the union of our life with that of the Savior. The Savior of heaven has literally put himself in union with us. And what that implies for us is that not that he just is is going to whisk us away to heaven one day, but that we are always being saved. There is salvation in every nuance and everything about us. We are being saved just by being who we are because we are in the very best situation that we could be in to know the revelation of Christ. 
We are being saved to have the parents that we had because we, God gave us the very best parents for us to know the revelation of Christ. We are being saved to be in the job that we have because God gave us the very best job for us to know the revelation of Christ. You see, salvation is the revelation of the Savior in all things. So let's look at our text. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And Paul writes, For the remarkable undeserved grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly, immoral desires, and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives, lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age, awaiting confidently, expecting the fulfillment of our blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great Savior, God and Savior, Christ Jesus who willingly gave himself to be crucified on our behalf to redeem us and purchase our freedom from all wickedness and to purify for himself a chosen and very special people to be his own possession who are enthusiastic for doing what is good. Then a personal word to Titus. He says, tell them these things. Encourage And rebuke with full authority. Let no one disregard or despise you. Conduct yourself and your teaching so as to command respect. Now, in the verses 1 through 10 of chapter 2 that we looked at before, Paul addresses a variety of people of different ages. Older men, younger men, older women, younger women, and even servants. And the Spirit of God, through the Pentapol, calls all of them to a life of godliness. He calls them to a standard of godliness. A godliness or holy living. And they are to live out righteousness. In the end of verse 10 it says, So that in every respect... They will adorn and do credit to the teaching of God our Savior in every respect. That's a pretty high high bar, isn't it? Well, that is how Paul ends verse 10. And as I said, we covered, when we covered verse 10, I said the ending is for an admonition for us to make a display of the character of Christ. And that's what he's calling them to do. Make a display of the character of Christ. Now, the way most people get confused on the issue is whenever you see the Bible giving instruction about how you are to live, you immediately want to try to conform your flesh, the external of you, to the way he says that you are to live. But we know, based on what the Word of God says, that the external is a reflection of the internal, and if we yield the soul to who we are internally, the external will be an instrument of righteousness rather than an instrument of sin. So, Paul calls them to live righteously. It could also be a command to make a display of the salvation of the Lord. You see, in that day and age, they referenced back to what Christ did. And people were being Christians that were called Christians, were called Christians because they had elected to accept the salvation of Jesus. So salvation was a big word. It was a huge word. 
It, it meant to the early Christians that they were now part of what Christ called his people. So whenever the people would walk out and say, I'm a Christian, they would immediately think, the lost or the people out there, oh, they've received the salvation that Jesus offers. God also, in this text, is wanting them to make a display of this salvation because this salvation is literally an exhibit of the grace of God. It's a manifestation of the grace of God. But I want you to understand something as we go through this text. Whenever I say the word grace, I want you to think of the person of Christ. Because grace is personified by Jesus. Okay? So, what we're going to see in these verses is Paul recounting for the Cretans in verses 11 to 14, why godly behavior is possible, how you're going to reach that high and lofty goal, how you're going to, in every respect, adorn and do credit to the teaching of God our Savior. How does the Christian have the ability to demonstrate the character of Christ? Well, I'm going to tell you a whole lot of things that you already know. I'm going to give you scriptures that you've already heard. But as in the case of these good people in the island of Crete, these churches, these things get forgotten and set aside. They get taken for granted. They become like John 3.16 that we can rattle off in a second and never think about what God actually gave and about the love that he showed in that action. So this is more. This is a, a capsulization of the gospel of truth. In verse 11, Paul writes that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God brings salvation to us. We didn't decide one day that uh, we would seek out the grace of God. Fact is, we didn't know we needed it. This is a picture of God who is love, who wants you And so he comes to you, and his spirit awakens you to your need for a Savior. That's what happened. The God of heaven personally, his spirit personally awakened you to your need. And you said, yes, you're one of the elect. You said, yes, I'll receive him. Paul writes that the grace of God appeared to all men, and that all men is actually referencing all those he named in the earlier verses. Grace is personified, as I said, in the person of Christ. He came to save, to demonstrate the love and grace of God. In John 3.16, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. And by the way, eternal life is another name for Jesus. So he's saying, shall have Christ's life. That's what he's saying. God love, God's love and grace has appeared in the person of Christ. This saving grace delivers us from the penalty of sin. Grace has freed us from the slavery of sin. Grace has delivered us from the captivity of sin. In Romans 6.14... 
It says, for sin will no longer be master over you, since you are not under the law as slaves, but under unmerited grace as recipients of God's favor and mercy. Now, we were ignorant of our bondage. We did not know that we were slaves. We were so arrogant, we thought we were masters of our fate. We were born of the flesh, hostile towards God, ignorant of the death march that we were participating in. Our lives were being lived out unto the appetites of our flesh. And Paul describes our condition in Ephesians chapter 2. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 2, we actually went through this book. It's a powerful statement. Chapter 2, starting at the beginning, and he says, And you... And you, he made alive when you were spiritually dead and separated from him because of your transgressions and sin in which you once walked, you once lived. You were following the ways of this world influenced by this present age in accordance with the prince of the power of the air, Satan. The spirit who is now at work In the disobedient, the unbelieving, who fight against the purposes of God. Now, that's how every man lives apart from Christ. Do you see that? That they are literally of a different nature. And then again, reminding us that we would be the same if Christ himself, his spirit, did not come and awaken us to his gift of salvation. Because for God so loved you. Now, this is not a matter of behavior. This was our identity from birth. We needed a Savior to save us from our identity, the nature we were born with, from a spirit that was dead to God. We needed a Savior to give us life in exchange for the death we were living in. And then we get to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God, again, he asserts himself. But God, being so very rich in mercy, because of his great and wonderful love with which he loved us, even when we were spiritually dead and separated from him because of our sins, he made us spiritually alive together with Christ. For it is by his grace, his undeserved favor and mercy, you have been saved from God's judgment. And he raised us up together with him when we believed and seated us with him in heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. And he did this so that in the ages to come, he might clearly show the immeasurable and unsurpassed riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus by providing our redemption. He might clearly show that. Well, what does that mean? That means that you are a demonstration of the grace and salvation of God. Do you see yourself that way? We're always crying and moaning before the Lord. At least I've done a great bit of that. About our situation, about our condition, about how sorry we are about the things that we do and don't do. And we're going on and on about this thing. And we don't recognize who he made us to be. We don't see ourselves how he sees us. We are literally his testimony of grace. 
We are a picture of his salvation. And just because we won't allow it to be expressed, because we won't allow it to be seen, because we hide it behind the flesh that we think that we're going to somehow discipline into looking Christian, we miss it. Because I'm going to tell you something. Grace expressed is grace experienced. Love expressed is love experienced. Joy expressed is joy experienced. Every manifestation and fruit of the Spirit of God, as it is expressed through you, he tells us in John fifteen five. he tells us, he says, you're going to bear much abundant fruit. And all of the evangelicals are saying, good, there's a lot of lost people out there that need that fruit. Listen, this is for you. Because fruit expressed is fruit experienced. All that you know of Christ, you know because he's expressed it through your life. So grace, Jesus appeared to all men. Our salvation did more than atone for our sinful behavior. It changed us. It gave us a new life. Christ put an end to our old self. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit, was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. All that stood in the way of the embrace of almighty, pure, holy, righteous God was nailed to a cross. It was done away with. You can't do anything to separate yourself from him. That's a lie that's preached, but it is a lie nonetheless. You cannot do anything to separate yourself from him. Because you are in union with the manifestation of his grace and glory. You are in His grace and glory. You are in His love and life. You are in Christ. This had to be done before we could ever hope to demonstrate godliness, before we could behave righteously. All that God was demanding of the Cretans was impossible before the saving work of Christ. And Paul is instructing them to, as Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new self, the regenerated, the renewed nature, created in God's image, godlike in the righteousness. Look at that. Godlike in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. Living in a way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. Listen, in you, Christ in you, your life in Christ is righteous. It is holy. And what, what a word, God-like. You can't be like anything greater. God-like in righteousness and holiness. Salvation is being born again into Christ and given a new nature. We are new creations. We are changed within. We have a new source to live from. We are one spirit with the spirit of God. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. We are partakers of the divine nature. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It is this salvation that is working in us to bring about our maturity. 
Look at verse 12 of Titus chapter 2. It continues. It teaches us to reject ungodliness and worldly immoral desires and to live sensible, upright, and godly lives. Lives with a purpose that reflects spiritual maturity in this present age. Now the it here is the saving work of grace, Jesus. Grace in the person of the Spirit of Christ within and without is constantly at work to expand you in the truth of his salvation. He is nurturing you in every moment through the revelation of Christ who is in every moment. He is teaching us through the path that we are on, Ephesians 2.10, through the experiences of our life. Now, the Greek word there for teaching is paduo. And it is used to describe the training up of children. It refers to an ongoing molding of character. It's learning through the experience of life, not just knowing about life. It's hands-on training. In this training, there is discipline involved, but never punishment. It teaches us to reject ungodliness that manifests itself through the appetites of the flesh. Our salvation through the new birth delivered us from the domination of sin. Now the tutor, who is the spirit of God, trains us in righteousness and holiness. We're not living it out perfectly because we're still living in the body. But we have a new source and a new appetite. Know that. When you are feeling things that you know you shouldn't be feeling. When you're thinking things that you know you shouldn't be thinking. When you are being unbelieving. When you feel like you're tired of of the old Christian routine. When you're ready to rip loose with with rebellion or selfishness or self-indulgence. You need to wake up and understand that is not you. It is not who you are. It is the lie of the enemy who wants you to take on the wrong self, the self that died on the cross with Christ. He wants you to get into the baggage of what died and live through the death of your flesh rather than through the life of Christ. That's the enemy's work. If I, I said it so many times from the pulpit, and I'm going to tell you again and again and again. Listen, the t- reality is the enemy doesn't care what sin he can catch you up in. It's about how you see yourself. It's about being unbelieving. It's about setting aside the grace, Jesus, that he has given you in this life. In his life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creature, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, the previous moral and spiritual condition, have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Because spiritual awakening brings new life. Are you beholding new things? 
Or have you got your eyes on the old? What are you beholding? What are you beholding? Because if it's about your flesh, it's old. But if you're beholding the truth of what God has made you to be, if you're beholding the promise of His life in you, if you're beholding the power of His empowering Spirit that is in you to do whatever He desires, whatever His will is for your life, if you're beholding the plan that He has put in place for you, that is to bless you, to grow you, to make you who He made you to be, if you're beholding those things, you can't help but be rejoicing in truth. But if you're just beholding this world, and you know what? We'll talk about it more. We'll always talk about it. The enemy's all about getting you to behold anything but the new. Anything but the new. Why are we doing this again? Because we can't be reminded too often what we are, that we are new, and that the old spiritual condition has passed away. Why? Why do I say that? Because I know I need it. Even this week, things have crept up in my mind. Things have crept up in my emotions. Things have crept up in my perceptions. And I know what they are. They're just traps for me to fall into the old. To order my soul according to the lie of my past, of my flesh, of this world. So we have been saved from the penalty of sin. We have been delivered from the slavery of sin. And we are being tutored in righteousness. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.